0: seated. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And that is not just a cliche. It's always good to be in God's presence. It's good to be in his house. It's good to see you here. Thank God for faithful people. They're faithful to come to the house of the Lord, to worship the Lord, and let God do something for them individually and for us collectively. It's always good to be in his presence. Praise God. very familiar, familiar portion of scripture that uh, most of us could quote, at least quote at it. He that shall endure unto the end. What is it? Finish it. He that shall endure unto the end. Well, I got a couple of people. I'll give you a hint. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. It's not the one that prays the loudest, or talks in tongues the most, or runs the aisles, but it's he that shall endure unto the end. Uh, At this particular stage in my life, I'm still a kid in some respects, But reality sets in once in a while, and they don't usually ask me for an ID. If I say I want a senior citizen discount, oh, you're going to have to prove it. You know, they just accept it for some reason. I don't know how. how, Brother McIntosh, they just look at me, and I would think, you know, they got I got to prove that I'm at least 55. But they just assume that I'm past that stage. but I realize that at this stage this, it, it, in my life that I'm not at the beginning and uh, if, I'm at middle, if I'm at middle age right now means I'm going to live to be 140. That's probably not likely. So I'm probably not at middle age. So I must be somewhere on the, on the end, over the hill, going down, whatever. Uh, and I said all that, and we, we smile a little bit about it, but uh, to realize that the race is not unto the swift, it's not unto the ones that speaks their words the best, but it's to who, he that shall endure unto the end. And it's not, uh, as the scripture says, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils in thy name, and done many wonderful works in thy name. And then he will answer them, I know you not. Now there was another portion of scripture where he said, I never knew you. But this portion of scripture, he says, I know you not. Which means, I may have one time known you. But I don't know who you are now. And sometimes in our relationships of life, we can become lethargic. We can begin to take life for granted Uh, I heard a comedian say recently uh, a wife was talking about having been with uh, her husband for uh, a large number of years and they never really and he, he volunteered he said we've never had a fight we've had some very strong discussions but we've never really had a fight and uh she was said but there's one thing that we've always had a difficult time with and she named it and, and when uh, and the comedian was given advice but when she finished he said she said well what do you he said well he just don't like you anymore and he was saying it tongue in cheek uh, because obviously they they've been together for all those years and they loved each other uh, but sometimes we, in a marriage, you can take one another for granted and not realize how valuable your partner is. Uh, maybe it's you can be in a church and, uh, you know, one of your fellow saints of God or maybe your pastor or someone else. You can just kind of assume and take them for granted. We can come to Abundant Life Center. And just think, well, it's just another service and it's not that big a deal. Uh, and uh, somebody hurts our feelings, well, I'll just pack up and I'll just go to another church. Uh, well, all of those things are possible, you can do, but, you know, it's he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I've seen people that got their feelings hurt and packed up and left and went somewhere else. And they they may like... Lot did of old, they may hang on to their relationship with God, but they may lose their entire family in doing so because they uproot somebody and they move their family and they move to a different location. And we're just gonna start all over again. And the problem is you break up the roots. And some people, when you transplant some things and take it from a natural illustration in life, when you try to transplant even a young sapling tree and the wrong time of the year, you're probably going to have a very difficult time it being strong and healthy. If you get it in the dormant time of season, you'll have a much better chance. Even then, its growth is going to be stunted, and you have to cut the limbs back if you really want it to grow. And there's things that you have to do, because Scripture tells us we should be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. Its roots run really deep, and thou shall not be moved and the tree is not moved, it's strong, it's, it's planted there, it perseveres until the end. But in life, sometimes all the things that I just uh, mentioned, that we can start taking it for granted. You can forget how valuable your, your spouse is, and they may have some things that just irritate the daylights out of you, but there are other qualities that make them very, very valuable, and sometimes those things are not really missed as much until suddenly someone's gone. You know, we come to a time when all of us will get there sooner or later that, you know, we're laying in a box in the front of the building and people are talking about you and and it's at times like that usually people are saying all the good things they know about you. Uh, And a lot of times there's often there are many, many qualities that we suddenly realize how strong they were in that area. And we compliment all the things they were, and sometimes we take those same things for granted during their lifetime while they're living with us. Uh, you can you can come to Abundant Life Center service after service after service, and just after a while, you know, we're singing some of the same songs and some of the same people, and and uh, the preacher gets up and preaches, and it's the same old uh, song, just give it a different title and one man said he just jack it up, put a new running board underneath it and bring the same stuff back all over again. It become old until uh, all of a sudden you can find out sometimes if you actually went across town or you went somewhere else many times you'll find out how blessed you really are to be in a, an apostolic church that has great worship and great praise and a great spirit and I never, never, never want to take for granted the fact that We come here to Abundant Life Center, service after service after service, and feel the sweet presence of God. It's more than just a ritual. It's more than just a place to come to. But God meets us here. Go ahead. And I'm going to inform you, that's not everywhere you go. There are other places where you can actually really feel the presence of God, and that is undeniable, and that's the way it should be. But not everywhere you go you're going to find the liberty in the Holy Ghost that just I almost used the word automatic and then I checked myself where we come here and it's not automatic, it's because of a purpose, it's because of the lives of people that are here that come, they've prayed they've, they've lived for God they've served God and God meets at a place where there are people that have persevered and pressed through hardships and trials and obstacles and Uh, they've gotten their feelings hurt, they've been shunned, they've been uh, castigated, they have been uh, hurt, uh, but they just said, "Mm -mm, I'm on your hands, Pastor, just get used to me being around because you're not going to offend me enough to make me leave. Uh, God, you've got me on your hands, I don't care what happens, what I go through in life, you're still going to be my God, I'm still going to serve you. And that attitude says, I'm going to persevere all the way to the end And he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Uh, Jude said it this way in Jude 1, or excuse me, in Jude 3, 20. I think I was right because I don't think there's three chapters in Jude. So Jude 1 uh, and 20 and 21. but, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto, unto eternal life. And uh, the scripture says, if we back it up a little bit to the 17th verse, But, beloved, remember ye the words that, which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last days, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying into the Holy Ghost, keeping yourselves, keeping yourselves, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And some of you have compassion making a difference, and others, uh, others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto them that is able to keep you from falling and to pre- present you that faultless before his presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Uh, when we persevere, that simply means we don't give up. It means there may be difficulties, there may be obstacles, there may be discouragements, uh, but we're going to continue steadfastly. We're going to continue persevering, pushing on, uh, sometimes hanging on. Uh, I saw the picture of a, uh, of a cat uh, hanging from a rafter, and he was just, his claws hooked in the rafter, just dangling there. And uh, the caption said, just hanging on. And sometimes you may feel like that. You're just... Just your claws have got a little grip, and you're hanging on, and you, there's not a whole lot uh, else you can do, but you're just hanging in there. Well, sometimes that's what we have to do. Sometimes it's not floating downstream. Sometimes it's not the easy way. Sometimes somebody else is not carrying your load for you. Sometimes you're on your own. Sometimes you're just hanging in there. Sometimes you're saying, let me get through this day, and hopefully... The sun's going to rise in the morning. It's going to be a better day. And uh, somebody said it's Monday, but Friday's coming. Uh, you, some of you working folks know what I'm talking about. Uh, i got to go to work today, but uh, in a few days it, I'm going to have a break. And uh, maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's week after week, but uh, soon I've got a week's vacation. And I've got a, uh, maybe it's a cruise scheduled or a trip to the coast or a trip to the mountains or something, I'm going to get a break. But in the meantime, uh, that comes because I've earned it, because I'm faithful and I'm consistent and persevering where I'm at today, and it will get me there. Perseverance is required not only to become a, a proficient musician, but it's required to be proficient in any area. If you're going to be a good athlete, what are you going to have to do? Practice, 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 practice. Uh, year after year, uh, long periods of time, to really become a professional, it's gonna require not just natural talent, but it's gonna have that talent's gonna have to be uh, honed in and directed in such a way. Every, every once in a while we see uh, a hyper kid, we think, man, if we could just channel all of that energy into a particular purpose or cause, Uh, it's the same way most of you know that I raise dogs and and some dogs are that way some dogs need a job if you don't have a job for them they'll find their own job and it may be chewing up your boots it may be digging up your flower beds Uh, there's all kinds of things that they may decide to do because they really need a job Uh, and if you don't give them a job then they're going to be mischievous and and, uh, life is that way if if you're gonna be a a piano player uh, I've been able to play the piano since I was just a child and I take two fingers and I've got a mansion just over the hilltop and I can do that some of y'all don't even know that song but that's my one and only piano song and there's a reason why I don't play the piano because i don't practice i didn't try i i it looked too hard for me it was too much and where people can just be going like this all over the place i'm thinking how in the world do they coordinate their hands and do all that stuff to just to be able to go all over here hitting all of these individual spots uh... and the right ones at the right time you know how it happened usually it's a uh, many many times they say maybe not usually but uh... It might usually might be the right word, but many, many times it's a melancholy temperament that kind of likes their alone time and they can get somewhere and they're just they're happy not to be in a crowd, they're by themselves, and they're just over and over and playing the same songs and, and learning little new chords here and a little new trickle over here with the pinky fingers and and they're just practicing and practicing and they love it, and they're spending a lot of time there and they're persevering persevering. That's how they get to where they're proficient in playing the piano. Serving God's no different than all of those, whether it's an athlete or a musician or some of those things. To really be the child of God that God wants you to be requires a lot of just hanging in there. A lot of practice. A lot of living what you preach. We can Tell everybody else how it ought to be done. But somebody says, don't tell me, show me. Show me. Live a life. And the scripture about he that shall endure unto the end uh, tells us that we can't look back and say, you know, back in 1962, I received the Holy Ghost. Or we can't look back and say, you know, Last year, you know, I really, really was on fire for God. Uh, this isn't, isn't a one-time get saved and now I'm saved, period. Uh, it's a progress. It's, it, it, it's, it's like a lot of other things, you know. What you did a year ago or 10 years ago or 50 years ago was nice for that day. But that's not gonna get you where you need to be today. Our relationship with God depends on a daily walk with God, a daily serving God. Uh, The same way that uh, we can look back and someone may have been a murderer or an immoral person or a profane person 20 years ago, but they're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And they're a different person now. You can 20 years ago have been like I was, Raised in a Pentecostal apostolic home and praying mother and father and, uh, and had all of those privileges and went to church over and over and over again. But if somewhere along the way I lose the habit of serving God and the, the perseverance and the, the consistency and, and hanging in there, uh, it don't matter whether you were a, a, an apostolic 20 years ago or whether you were a murderer 20 years ago. Uh, What matters is who you are today and what your relationship with God is even at this moment. So it's it's not the one that one time ran well, but how are you running now? What is your pace right now? It's not for the one that one time... Boy, I was there every time the doors were open and when the doors weren't open, I got there and opened them and I was involved and I did this and I did that and I was involved and the kingdom of God was number one thing in my life. And and you'd say, well, hallelujah, praise God, that was great then. But the question is today, what's your temperature today? What's your involvement today? Yesterday was good and we're thankful for everything that you were that was positive in the past, but all the past is not going to store up and save you for where you should be today. Uh, Perseverance is required with music, with whatever. Uh, It's also the key to living a victorious life, Uh, the one that endures, not the one that starts out in the race well. there are folks that, that race or that love to run. And there are some guys that could get out here and in a 100-yard dash, they could smoke you. But if you're a long-distance runner and you've prepared yourself not to run 100 yards but to run miles. And when I, I hear of folks that uh, go out and they're running, the other day someone was doing a... A hundred mile, and then I've heard of swimmers that were swimming across the whole channel, uh, and they required a kayak or something. A little funny side note there. This this one lady I was reading about was going to swim across the uh, I don't know what it was the English Channel or somewhere. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It's a long body of water that required several miles, and and uh, and it required to be in this race. You had to have a kayak or somebody to go alongside you in case you got leg cramps or gotten a, a jam and you had to, ha- had to have a rescuer. And so she asked her husband if he would uh, take his kayak and he would glide alongside her. And he said, yeah, if I can fish while I'm doing it. <laughs> That's us. We're multitaskers. I'll go along as long as I can fish while I'm going along with you. Uh, how'd I get there anyway? Something I just read re- recently, uh, but it's kind of hard to imagine someone swimming for miles across a channel. Uh, you know, I uh, I need to get in shape again right now because I haven't been running much recently. But I need to get back there where I can run a little bit. But but my deal is is uh, uh, I can get out when I'm getting getting all loosened up and and getting my my muscles warmed up and ready to go, I can take off and, and run pretty good for, you know, for a uh, hundred feet or so. And then uh, I'm running out of gas, I'm running out of wind, and uh, I, I can walk all day long, uh, and I do quite pretty much on a daily basis. But even in a jog, I can jog, jog for like a hundred yards, and I'm, I'm like... An I need to take a break and I'm back to walking again and there's some people can just get out there and just take off and they're just like I can do this all day long they're running and running and running and running uh, the reason they do that is because they've been doing it they've, they've built up to a place they've persevered to a place where they can consistently uh, just keep on going uh, sometimes people look at seasoned children of God and, you know, and we think, well, you know, they make it look so easy, you know, this living for God stuff. And we look at some folks and, and we see the blessings of God in their life. And we think, well, you know, it's not really fair. Here I am struggling and I don't have this and I don't have that. And, and you know, look at Pastor Abbott and all the things he's got. Or look at some seasoned person that's been around forever serving God, look at all the blessings that they have why life is just not really fair and and you don't stop to think about that you know when someone has served God they didn't just come to God last week but they've been consistently living for God month after month, year after year and year after year after year and they started when they didn't make much of anything they were faithful with their tithing and their offerings and And uh, they got a little more, and they were even more faithful with their tithing and their offerings. And and they go a little bit more, and life goes on, and they attain more things in life. And then somebody, some Johnny Come lately comes along and says, well, that's not fair. You know, they've got this, 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 and this, and they've got this home and this. Uh, Stop and think sometimes. You know, the Bible promises those that persevere and those that are consistent, those that are faithful, there are blessings that follow those consistent walks with God. And you don't come along and just sit down at the piano and think, okay, here we go. Last night, some of the young people were at Pastor's house and, and a couple of girls went over to the piano and they were plunking here and there and I mean, there was no, no sound of coordination with anything they were doing. Somebody talked about their, their piano playing. Uh, you don't just sit down and start playing the piano the first time you sit on the bench. And then you see somebody that's accomplished that can just tickle the ivories and just make such beautiful sounds with with the piano and think, wow, that must be nice. Boy, God just gave them that talent. No, God gave us all that talent. But some people zeroed in on playing a piano and they practiced and they practiced and they learned and they grew and they grew and they grew and they grew grew into a very proficient place where they were successful and where they, they had talent that... S- others that didn't have that perseverance are kind of, wow, boy, that's, that's amazing. Wish I could do that. You could. But you got to go back a lot of years ago and start practicing and practicing and practicing. Sometimes people come and they see folks around the church that are blessed. And I've been around long enough to witness life. I have, I have watched... In decades, not just years, now I can measure it in decades. Uh, Not too long ago, in fact, it's already been a couple years ago, I received a certificate from headquarters for over 50 years of being a licensed minister of the United Pentecostal Church. So that's five decades at least that I'm past that. Well, during that period of time, I have seen a lot of people come and go. And I've seen people that come in and just something clicked. And they got it up here. They understood the standards. They understood the finances. They understood the house of God. They understood a relationship with the pastor. And they just got in and dug their heels in and said, You got me on your hands. I'm going to do it. And I've watched people like that be blessed, 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 blessed. And just watch them live a life of blessings. And they accumulate not just spiritually when we come to the house of God and be blessed. But the beautiful thing about serving God is he said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things, everybody say things. All these things will be added unto you. Now, you know, if we have a roof over our head and food to eat, something to keep us warm at night we've got all that we have to have but you know what uh, i'm sorry if you want to judge me for it but i kinda enjoy some of those things sometimes i enjoy kinda having if, if i see somebody that that uh, is down and out i can give them a five dollar bill i can even give them a c-note my, my grandkids uh, Ask, one of them asked me that was an adult a young adult asked me said, why do you call it a C note how many don't know what a C note is raise your hand be honest with me a C note raise your hand Don't even, see I got all kinds of people here who don't know what a C note is well somebody else want to explain it to them in Roman numerals a C stands for what speak up For one hundred, and a C note is a hundred dollar bill. And my grandkids love it when I'm passing out C notes, and my kids kind of like it too. Uh, And but I like the idea. And I I, someone called me the other day. Didn't call me. It's kind of weird. i was kind of even still. I'm kind of like chuckling but someone texts me and said uh could you venmo me three thousand dollars i i need it for just a short period of time they didn't call me on the phone they didn't call and say you know i've got a situation here's my situation could you uh send this money to me and this is my circumstances and this is when I'll pay it back. They just said uh, and it was like it was a done deal. They said, could you Venmo me $3,000 and I can pay you back and uh, and uh, I thought, that's kind of strange. And I'm driving down the road with my wife and I hit Venmo and went to Venmo and punched in $3,000 and uh, sent it, and it wouldn't go through uh, because the maximum you can send is $2,900. So I, I backed off and did it again and put $2,900 and sent them $2,900. And then I texted them and said, you know, if you need the other $100, I can do it again and send the other $100. They said, no, $29 is enough. And I still hadn't even talked to them. And we kind of chuckled together. There was someone from another state that I have a good relationship with, obviously. And it wasn't family. Uh, But I told my wife, you know, I said, you know, the Bible told me a long time ago that if you'll do what's right, if you'll serve God and put God first in your life, I will make you the lender and not the borrower. I kind of like that. I kind of like that. I like the, the, the fact that God has blessed me in a, in a, into a position, into a place in life that if somebody needs to borrow a hundred bucks or if I need to want to give away a hundred bucks, it's not going to change my life. And I can bless somebody else because I've been blessed through the years. I didn't get there overnight. I, I, I can remember when I didn't have two coins hardly to push together. Sister Leek just stepped out of the building today, but I remember back when I was a young pastor in this town uh, in 19, early 1970s. I'd been here two or three years, so it's about 1975. I was living in a little 1,100-square-foot little house with my wife and two babies, and uh, living on First year I was in Larry, I, I made somewhere around $5,000 for the year. And uh, I was a country boy at heart. I already lived in that little 1,100-square-foot 1, place, which is a little wing of the church that we lived in. Uh, I already I was raising rabbits in the backyard had a couple, three dogs. And I'd go down to the sales yard and get me some calves that were sickly that I could buy for a, little, for a dollar, and I'd bring them home and bottle feed them and give them medications and try to save them and made some of them well and some of them I killed. Uh, but I did the best that I could. And, uh, but I needed a place with a little more room, and I found this place out in the country, out on Road 140, part of the old Rankin Field. And there was two acres out there that had a 2,500-square-foot house on it and it, was, it had been rented out. They had had a care home for teenage boys, I think it was, and it had been emptied, and the person doing the care home no longer used it. The house was pretty much thrashed. The yard was thrashed. It had an old doughboy swimming pool in the backyard. It was no longer a swimming pool, but it had been used to keep some pigs in the inside round part inside the tent of the, the doughboy pool. Uh, It was in ill repair, the yard was a mess, there was no sidewalks, all kinds of things. But I tell people I bought it for nothing down and nothing a month for a year. And I was just young, I was struggling as a pastor and not not only what I received from the church was not enough and I worked, did all kinds of things on the side. I built fences, painted houses, whatever I could do to make a little extra money And I didn't have money for a down payment or anything else. But this woman that owned this place told me I could have it. I negotiated with her. This is a house, 2,500-square-foot house on two acres, that I could have it for $225 a month. And at the end of a year, if I chose to buy it, she would accumulate that $225 a month and I would add a little bit to it to make a $5,000 down payment, and that she would carry the balance uh, for monthly payments. And so I agreed. And like I said, I didn't have any down payment or anything else. And I remember, and I mentioned Sister Leak, Brother Leak was a faithful elder in the church at that time. He was the church secretary. And I remember him coming to me, and he was all concerned worried about whether I was going to be able to afford that $225 a month to get that house out there in the country. And I said, well, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And uh, so I ended up getting that house at the end of a year. Of course, by that time I had remodeled, I had built fences, I had done, I don't remember how much I did because I worked on it for, but for 14 years I raised my family there in that place. Uh, And at the end of that 14 years, I sold the house for $125,000, which was huge money in that day, and I moved to somewhere else and moved up from there. Uh, And so for the first year, I paid rent, but then at the end of the year, they gave my entire accumulation of rents I had paid to go toward a down payment, and I continued to make payments to end up owning the house, and uh, it it was blessings but it was a long ways away from where I am today. And I have in my phone the house that I lived in when I was born in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And you put that alongside the house that I live in today and they, they don't even, basically don't even compare. And, but I didn't start this race yesterday. I didn't start this race 10 years ago my whole life has been where I learned to be faithful to God by godly parents that taught me well. I've, I've known times in my parents' life that one time my dad, uh, my mom had, she's, people tell me I'm like her in a lot of respects, so because I'm very frugal and I like to pinch pennies and I like to save and, and all of that. and. I don't mind giving stuff away, but I don't like to throw anything away, and my wife has to sneak stuff behind me and throw them away, because I won't throw them away. I'll say, well, I still use it for a work shirt or for whatever. Uh, And I have some pants that are very popular nowadays. I have some Levi's that have holes ripped across, worn through the knees, and and, uh, uh, you throw them away. Why? People pay extra money to get pants like this. But I got a lot from my mother. But my mother at one point in my life, uh, when I was just a teenager, she had saved $5,000 just by putting stuff in the sock once in a while. And my dad had just found out that she had that money saved. We went to a camp meeting, and my dad didn't tell me this. I was told by the missions director of our state at the time, uh, Brother David Theobald. but they got up and made a plea in missions about that $5,000 they could build a church in Africa. They needed someone to give them $5,000 and they got an anonymous note that said I have the $5,000. And I didn't know who it was. I was there at the service, but then later Brother Theobald said, you know who that was? I said, no. He said, that was your dad. My dad took my mom's Five thousand dollars that she had socked away and gave it all to build a church and all through life you know my parents my dad pastored a, a small church and never had uh, anywhere near like what the Lord has blessed me with here in Tulare over the last 48 years but uh, he would work hard and he would buy an old house for nothing down or a little bit down and get the owner to finance it and he had remodel it and rent it out and he ended up uh, by the time he passed away at an early age of 57 my mother became a widow and uh, he had no social security he had no uh, he had no retirement from any of the churches that he had passed or didn't have anything but my mother had always done the paperwork or kept the records for the houses well my dad through the years had had houses in arkansas new mexico texas california and arizona that he just had and when they'd go empty none of them were fancy but he'd go clean them up and re-rent them out again well my mother couldn't handle it so she started selling those houses and carrying the paper and uh, they never really had much of anything growing up in life uh, we ate cheap we had chuck roast was one of our main courses for it wasn't prime rib. It wasn't filet mignon. It was the cheapest roast you could find. And put it in a, in a cooker and cook it all morning long and we'd have Sunday dinner afterwards or round steak. Back in the day, they didn't have grinders to run it through. Some of you older folks know what I mean. You take the round steak, which is kind of a cheap steak off of a cow and probably off of a cheap cow, and you pound it with this thing that had all these little spikes in it. Just beat the daylights out of it at tenderizing it. Getting it ready where you could chew it. Round steak was still one of my favorite dishes. Round steak, uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. Mm, I'm ready for lunch today. Uh, That's what we grew up with. But I say this and I say this uh, respectfully and trying to make a point today of the blessings of God. My mother became a widow at 57 years old. And when she passed away, she was a millionaire. All because of faithfulness to God. Uh, Time and time again, they gave everything they had. But God rewards faithfulness, is what I'm trying to tell you today. God rewards consistency. They were they didn't waste they weren't trying to impress somebody with with what they had my dad was more more proud of a 25 cent pair of shoes he found it a garage sale than it would have been if someone had gave him, gave him a $600 pair of alligator shoes that's the way they lived their life but they were faithful to God and always I was taught to put God first financially to put put the things of God let that be important to the kingdom of God and Uh, I I mentioned this uh, a few months ago, and I'll I'll say it again because it comes to mind right now because I'm trying to talk to you about being consistent, being faithful. Uh, I ended up with a tremendous blessing from a lady that came to this church many years ago that we found her, we befriended her, started bringing her to church, didn't know much of anything about her except she was a little old humpbacked lady that was 80 plus years old she walked all stooped over and uh, but we brought her to church and when she came to church she was all happy and she was glad to find somebody that cared about her didn't have any children didn't have any immediate family anywhere close her husband had been dead for a number of years lived in a little bitty house that her husband had built i think in nineteen fifty but she came to church and uh, she ended up getting baptized, and, and uh, uh, I baptized her, and she said, I want to get them their tongues, was the way she said it. She wanted to get the Holy Ghost. Well, she got baptized, and she received the Holy Ghost, and, and we would take her home with us on, on uh, uh, Sunday, and she would stay the day with our family, and we've got some funny stories to tell on her, but some of the things that she would do, but uh, she was lived very simple, and then my wife would feed her and give her her weekly bath, and, and she'd go home that night, And uh, but she uh, became a friend, and then all of a sudden she started telling some other folks that she wanted to put me in her will, and... Uh, I didn't know, uh, she didn't tell me that at first. She finally came to me and told me what she wanted to do. And I said, well, that's something you're going to have to do. You need to go get an attorney or somebody to take care of that. And long story short, uh, she willed everything she had to my wife and I, to our family. And when she first told me that, she, I, I told her, I said, you know what, sister, uh, why don't you just do all that and will it to The church, Uh, I think it was still First Pentecostal Church at that time, just will it to the church. And she said, and I can almost hear her saying, I don't want to will it to the church. I want to will it to you. And and then she added another little statement along with it. She said, because I know if I, I won't try to mimic her voice, but she said, because I know if I will it to you, if the church needs it, the church has it. Something to that effect. And she gave me uh, everything that she had accumulated, including her home, her property, uh, her bank accounts, and everything that she had. She wasn't, by any stretch, wealthy, but it sure was a whole lot that I didn't have at the time. And and what the value of the property has grown and grown and grown and grown. Uh, And it came, and I'm saying that simply by, God knows how to take care of faithful people. And if you put God first in your life, and I don't, I don't know, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of on subject, but a little bit off subject, I guess. I kind of got derailed. But I, I hope I'm talking to somebody to encourage you to put God first with your time, with your energy, with your money, with your life, with your, uh, your family, everything. And, and God rewards faithfulness. God re- rewards perseverance. And when you... When you get to the stage in life that uh, we've already talked about today, where you're no longer in your youth and you're no longer middle age, but somewhere you're over the wh- hill going down, uh, faithfulness to God through the years becomes very, very, very important. And Consistency. I, I mentioned to you a while ago that I've been around for a few decades as pastor dealing with people. I have watched people that got it. I said that a while ago. And I've watched them grow and be blessed and blessed and blessed and more and more and blessings and blessings and blessings come their way. And I've watched them and, and I, I've noted that this is what God's word says, that if you'll put God first, all these things will be added unto you. On the other hand, I have watched folks that, that were inconsistent. I've watched folks that come in and, and they begrudged, they'd, they'd maybe uh, give a little bit and, maybe pay tithes a couple times and, and uh, then all of a sudden you know, uh, their things mattered more to them and they'd spend all their time and their money on other things and they'd fall apart and then they'd come back and there's some folks would be in the church and out of the church and back and forth and some would struggle and, and they had a hard time understanding that if I take 10 or 15% out of my income and give it the kingdom of God, it's like, you know, well, that means I have less. And they didn't understand the principle of God that says, uh, you know, our math says if I give something away, I have less. But God says when you give something away, you've saved it. You actually have more. It's like when you give love away, it costs you so little to love somebody, and to be kind. But when you give it away, you really haven't given it away. You have multiplied and if people could understand that principle and their relationship with God, that when I'm when I'm putting God first, I'm not really giving anything away. I'm 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 making myself more and more and more and more secure because I'm putting things as the Bible says where rust can't get it and moths can't get it and 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 it's it's not going to deteriorate and it's not thieves can't steal it. When you're investing in the kingdom of God, in the work of God, and in the plan of God and in your relationship with God, you're putting something there that is not taken away from you. It's securing your tomorrow. It's securing your future because when you're persevering and when you're consistent and when you're serving God for weeks and then months and months turn to years and years turn into decades, you're going to find the blessings of God that God knows how to take care of your tomorrow. And sometimes we can worry too much about today and, and be selfish with what we have today. Somebody says, yeah, but all I get's a welfare check. I, I, I shouldn't have to pay. You ought to pay double. You're getting it free. You say, oh, that's selfish. No, it's not. I'm telling you, you want to live there all your life? Would you like to grow out of it? Would you like to receive the blessings of God? Would you, would you like to uh, stay where you're at and struggle and struggle year after year, week after week, year after year, uh, decade after decade? I've seen people that, that didn't get it, but they hung on to coming around the church, and they hung on to coming around the church, and years later, they're still spinning their wheels. Years later, they're still wondering where my next meal is going to come from, and and I, I still, their car is smoking, and, and, uh, and I'm not talking about smoking hot. I'm talking about it's black smoke coming out of the back, and, and they're still, you know, they, they're not blessed. And, and you, you know, I, I know there's blessings of God are a lot more than what you have financially. But financial, financial things, dollars, is something we can understand real easy. And Your blessings are not measured by how many things you have and how much earthly things you have. But those are the things that you're going to be blessed with because God said He would. He would take all those things that you have dedicated to Him and He will multiply them. We have to remember that when we're taught and when we practice, and when we learn, and when we persevere, there's going to be something come from that. The Bible says, train up a child in the way it should go. And when it gets old, it's not going to depart from them. Sometimes we struggle with training, and sometimes even our children, sometimes our children can be a disappointment in some areas of their life. We love them anyway, but they can be a disappointment. They can cause hurt. They can cause pain. But the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. When he gets old, he'll not depart from it. What we're on today, we're not on a railroad track. That we can say, okay, well, the course has already been set, and I'm just going to kick back and relax because can we get to my destination? We're not on a railroad track. We're on a road. And the road that we're on, the road of serving God, is a road that we're not, it doesn't have a barrier where we can only ride that road. There's all kinds of fingers come off of that road. And anytime time you want to, you can divert off of the path that you're going on. You can turn to the left and you can turn to the right. The problem is, is sometimes I've used a simple illustration that if you get on on the 99 freeway here and go south you're not going to end up in Fresno you can say I'm going to Fresno all you want to all day long but if you get on the 99 freeway from here and go south you're going to Bakersfield you're not going to Fresno and you can say all you want to say but you've made your choice now the beautiful thing about it is, is there are exits <coughs> Excuse me, along the way. You can get down to Tipton and you can take off and say, you know what, I'm going the wrong way. And you can pull off and weave your way around and make a U-turn and get back on and get back on the freeway going north and you'll end up sooner or later, if you keep being faithful, keep being pushing forward, you'll end up in Fresno. But the choice is yours. Our relationship with God is a road. It's not a track. It's not a railroad track. It's not where you're on and you're just going for one straightaway distant destination. You're on a road. It's a road that's traveled. And, and on that road, you can divert and turn to the left or the right anytime you want to. You can pull off and stop. You can go at 10 miles an hour. And if you keep going 10 miles an hour... You may get to your destination one day, but it's going to be a long time from now. But if you're one of those that, like I said a while ago, you just get it about this serving God and being consistent and faithful to God, you just got it, it it soaked in, you received it, you drew it into your heart, you embraced it, you wrapped your arms around your relationship with God and you're going to serve God and walk with God, and then you take off, well, you can go the speed limit. Some of us sometimes push it a little bit past that. But you can go the speed limit, and if you leave here and go the speed limit, you'll be in Bakersfield in an hour. If you leave here going five miles an hour, it's going to be a while before you get there. But if you get it and you've got a vehicle that will carry you, you can get on the freeway and you go 65, 70 miles an hour, and less than an hour, you're going to be in Bakersfield. But the choice is yours. You can choose how fast you go. You can choose whether you go north or south. You can choose to get off in in, uh, Tipton, or Pixley, or Early Mart, or Delano, or Wasco. There's all kinds of places you can just split off and go the other way if you want to. But if your goal is to get to Bakersfield, get on the freeway, ignore all the side roads, put the pedal to the metal, and away you go. In less than an hour, you're going to get there. And that's that's what I'm talking about if you get it. If you can get this serving God deal in your head, and you can learn to persevere and be consistent and be faithful, the goal that you have in mind is in the end, I want to be saved. In the end, I want it, it to be said by God, not necessarily of everybody else, but by God, I want to hear Him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Clap your hands under the Lord. I want to hear Him say, Well done. And somebody said this way, He's not going to say, Well done if you haven't done well. Think about that for a little bit. He's not going to say, Well done if you haven't done well. But if you've done well, and you've been faithful to the end, for the Macintosh, the same shall be saved. Sometimes along the way, you may think, Well, I just don't know that it's worth it. And sometimes... Why don't I just take the easy route that's being offered to me? Take the, the Tipton exit, or the Early Mart, or the Pixley exit, or the Delano exit. Just us pull off and you know take a break for a while. You can do so, but you may end up short and not never get to your goal. But if you're walk with God and you're faithful, uh, a flight instruction has helped many beleaguered pilots to know what to do. Sometimes it's foggy and it's hard for me to imagine that you're flying a, a plane and you're floating through the air and you can't see anything but you look down at the instruments and it's got these little lines on it and it, it'll show you the runway that you can't see with your visible eye and you maneuver around and get right on that path and realize there is a way that'll get me there And you drop elevation and finally hopefully you get down where you can see the runway but if not you bring it in at the right speed and all that and you can settle it right down right in the fog and hit the foggy runway and cruise up to a stop because not because it's the first time you've ever been in a plane But it's because time and time and time again, I've flown, sometimes in good weather, sometimes in bad, but I learned to trust the instruments. I learned to trust trust the navigation system. And I finally got to the point that I could come in and even in times of adversity, uh, I can land the plane and I can trust it. According to specialists in the area with brain and memory, the brain retains everything it has received. It's a computer that it it, it heard it and it registered and you've got it. The problem is sometimes we forget. And all of you have had situations in your life that things that were there you long, long, long time ago had forgotten. I sat down with two of my sisters, my only two sisters in fact, uh, here I don't know, six months, a year ago, whenever it was, we, we met in, uh, uh, I think, Branson, Missouri, and we had some condos, and we sat around, and one night, I sat there with my older sister and my younger sister, and we got to talking about things that happened during our childhood. And there were several different things that was mentioned that happened when we were just little kids that I had totally, I hadn't thought about in decades but when they mentioned it, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was cute or that was neat or that was scary or whatever the circumstances were. It came back. My, it was there all the time and I would have never brought it up if somebody didn't do something that triggered that particular memory. If you train yourself in your relationship with God and you teach your children the relationship with God, there's sometimes they may be diverted and get off path or lose but you know what they know where the road's at they've been there I've had I've seen folks sometimes relatives sometimes strangers that had been around the church and learned the things of God and I've heard of uh, guys sitting on a bar stool half drunk and someone start talking about something religiously And they could, uh, through slurs in their speech, there's only one God. And his name is Jesus. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And they could preach you a message, though they're sitting there in a drunken stupor. But in their memory, there has been a relationship that is established. There has been a, a training that has been given. And they know the right way. And I've had people say, I know what I've got to do when I get to the point. And of course, we'll warn them, though, you better come when God's calling you. But people that would say, I know what's right. And I know where I need to be. And I know what I've got to do to get right with God. And thank God that we have that kind of relationship with God. And you, we teach them to our children. We teach them to ourselves. We remember in our memory we have all kinds of things that we may not recall. But the Bible talks about going into the highways and the hedges and, and being a witness. God sent people out. He said, you don't take a cloak. You don't take script. You don't take anything with you. Just go. And what the Bible say? He said, I will call things to your remembrance. What you should say. What am I going to say? I don't know. But when you get there, he said, I'll inspire you. Every preacher that's ever preached on the anointing of the Holy Ghost knows that there's sometimes that while you're preaching a thought that you hadn't had for a long, long time ago or a scripture that you hadn't quoted in years suddenly jumps to the forefront, forefront of your mind and you can quote it. I can sometimes all of a sudden start quoting scriptures that I learned when I was in college. And uh, I'm thinking of some right now that I don't use very often, but... Uh, that I, I could, right now, I could quote them to you. One of them is in the book of James. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. give giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. If you don't have wisdom, you can ask God for it. Well, where does that come from? It comes from, there was some time that I, if you're going to, something's going to be called to your remembrance, that means one time it had to be in your memory. But when you put things in your heart, and when you persevere and walk with God and serve God, God can call things back to you. There's, there's times that I, I've been able, I've been witnessing somebody and suddenly scriptures start coming. i have in the middle of the night woken, awakened and God began to prompt me about a thought and then all of a sudden this thought would come and that thought and this illustration would come and, and, and I should have learned it by now that you don't trust that you'll remember all that stuff tomorrow. And you should either have... I've had a little tape recording and just kind of put my thoughts in that. And sometimes I've got up and written things down. And sometimes I've trusted that I'll remember it tomorrow. And tomorrow i thinking, ooh, what was that? It was so good. And I couldn't remember it. But things are put into our heads and they're never forgotten. We have, they're in the, the bank bankroll of our computer, our brain. It's there. It's there forever. And sometimes... If we don't use it, we lose it. It's way back in the distance, but uh, sometimes it can be brought back. Uh, Things that occurred that may have been an incident or an aroma or a sound from a long time ago and suddenly it comes forward. A vivid picture of past scenes that we thought was lost, but it comes back. If we've been taught right, our chances of surviving spiritually are much greater, especially if we remember what we have been taught. When it's been put there, thank God for truth, that has been planted into our spirits and heart. The scripture says, and Paul said it this way, in if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. When you build something, There's going to be a time of reward. Revelation 2 and 10 said, Be thou faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. Faithful unto death. He gives us then the crown of life. Saints of God build themselves up in the Holy Ghost. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't give a child its first bottle of milk and say okay now it's an adult but it's hundreds of bottles of milk finally some cereals and finally it graduates to chewables and, and after many many years we finally say okay now they're an adult you don't become a spiritual giant just because you come and you receive the Holy Ghost and Now, woo, hallelujah. And we've got people that have been receiving the Holy Ghost here several recently and a bunch of girls that are hungry for the Holy Ghost. And it'll happen any time in any service coming up right now because they're hungry for God. Well, they don't understand a whole lot of the things of God. Uh, It's all new to them. And uh, they're just taking their first baby steps but some of us have been around for weeks, months, years, decades. And not only does life expect it, but I believe God expects more out of us. The longer you've been around, the more God expects from you. You, you, you should be now a mature child of God. And you should understand the things of God. You should not have to be taught now, you should be a teacher. Older women teaching the younger women. How do you do that? You come, and by example, and by your kindness, and by your gentleness, and your sweetness, new ones come, and they don't understand all the things that we do or don't do. They don't understand all the, the ways we dress, the way we act, or, or our, the way we handle our finances. They don't understand all of that. And God don't expect them to. But for some of us that's been around for a while, we ought to be in that persevering stage where we're consistent. We're faithful. We're walking with God. We're serving God. And we understand that where we're at, we're there because God's been good to us. And we want His mercy and His goodness. And I will say the blessings of God that come in life. There's so many things in life that I could live without that God has blessed me with. But I never want to forget... How important the things are of God. I started to say it a while ago, and I mentioned that I'd mentioned this several months ago. But I can remember back when we, in a little church, and I went by the other day. If any of you want to see it, I just took new pictures of the little church on 8th Street uh, where I came here in 1972. I stopped by and took pictures of it this last week. Uh, But God bless us, and the church grew, and we filled that building up. We busted out walls, and we filled it up again. And then we ended up over a little building up the road here. Uh, And that little incident I told you about a while ago where uh, this lady blessed myself and my family. And uh, one of the things she wanted so bad for me to do while she was living, she said she wanted me to build a house on her property, and I thought, oh, I don't want to get tangled up with that, because you never know. You know, it's not secured, and I just didn't want to go there. Uh, and I remember, you know, there was a point in time that we wanted to build a, a new home. But I remember, now this is what I said I mentioned a few weeks ago, but in my own spirit, my own heart, I said, I will not do that until I get a new church built. And the home that I live in that I'm blessed with today, I did not build until I, this building was built. And the sacrifices that I won't even go into and the tears, literally tears that were shed and the pressure that was made and the, the aging that happened in the two years we constructed this facility. Uh, the, all of that, I endured all of that, but my attitude was until God's house is going to be built first. And then when God's house is built, if the Lord blesses, then I can do something else. But until the facility here was blessed to the point that it was secured, and we basically uh, have a building here on this corner in 5.3 acres that is pretty much real close to it could be right now debt free. With I'm talking about paid for. What a blessing! That that is to have this kind of facility, and we don't have a huge debt. And if we wanted to tomorrow to to pay this building off completely, we could do it. Uh, but it all came about because of faithfulness of God's people through the years, and we had weekend after weekend after weekend that we did fundraisers where the men went out and. We trimmed trees, and we cleaned junkyards, and we did all kinds of things, and uh, we hauled off trash, and we did uh, painted houses. We did everything, and weekend after weekend, 15, 20 guys would show up, and, and we worked, and we were building a building fund monies to get us to the place that we could have the, have the money to start building a building for the kingdom of God. And we did that for years before we got here and a lot of us that sit here today don't have a clue the struggles that we went through to get us to this facility on this corner stories that we could tell you of the sacrifices that people made of giving monies and working hard and fundraisers and selling peanut brittle and garage sales and and men doing work and I mean we'd show up it wasn't two or three faithful show up fifteen or twenty young guys that didn't have any money pretty much would show up but they had a body and they were willing and they labored and they worked and got us to the place that we could have enough money to get started and then the struggles of continuing from there could go on and on and on but here we are today and you know why we're here the pastor says it often we're here because of the faithfulness of god's people through the years not because someone come along and made a real nice donation as the bible says you know the rich man comes in the offering and he throws in his C-notes. as You learned what that means today. But he says, the little widow's might. she gave more than them all. Why? Because she gave everything. We have people that have given their all. Many of them deceased and gone on to be with the Lord that, that created the availability of this building. But what a lot of you don't realize is in these walls all around us, in these platforms, There are prayer requests. There are favorite scriptures that were written. We had a a writing um, before we covered the walls with sheetrock. We had writings that we came in and people put their scriptures. and, And before we poured the cement for this platform, there were people put prayer requests for their family, for future. Many of us are being blessed today because people that are no longer even with us anymore invested their time and their energy and their finances and their heart and their love in preparing this for what we can enjoy today. I'm saying, let's not take for granted our relationship with Him. Let's not take advantage or ad- for granted, like I said a while ago, sometimes we do in marriage or in partnerships, where we just take one another for granted. But let's realize that God has brought us to this point for such a time as this, that we can grow, we can be all that God... Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands together to the Lord today. That we can be all that God wants us to be today. And we can realize that if I'm going to be a part of this, and if I'm going to, at the end, if I'm going to be saved, if I'm going to have my family saved, it's going to be because I was teaching, because I was loving, because I was persevering, and I was consistent, and I was walking with God. We could, we could talk about a various people and various things, and I'm, I'm closing, but uh, Sister Lois Smith just walked out but Brother John Smith's here today he's a truck driver and so often he doesn't get to be here on Sundays and I told him a while to go man you're here two Sundays in a row and he said he's got some more coming up that he's going to be here but a lot of you probably don't even know John uh, but John's been here for a lot of years he was a Lampy Lumber convert from way back in the 70's that he and a few others started coming to the house of God and Receive the Holy Ghost. We're baptized and and just consistent through the years. Always been faithful with their tithing and their offerings and their love for the kingdom of God. And through adversities and troubles and trials. It's just somebody at random I'm picking today that have chosen to be faithful and consistent for years and years and years and years. And they're blessed today. And they're part of the family of God that we just it's one of those corners of the church that we never really mention. But I mention them today because faithful through the years, and they're blessed today because they've persevered all the way to this stage in life. There are others, but uh, uh, that's just one that just comes to mind today that I'm glad that, uh, oh Lois is back in now. She don't know we've been talking about her, but her husband will have to tell her. But faithfulness is an attribute that God appreciates and loves, and God will honor your faithfulness. Pastor, come. God bless you. Once again, let's clap our hands of the Lord today.